here comes the thunder of the planner show. I was just trying out new stuff. Did you like that, Damien? That was uh, almost as great as your new closing line for the show. The, the new closing line is amazing. That new opening line, you want it, you want it again? Let's re- let's start from the beginning again. I'll I'll try I'll try something else. Okay, right. hold on a second. I'm gonna try a new new line to start the show. Fire, fire, fire. Let's bring the noise. Hey, everyone. I'm, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hi, Dame. Are we in a 80s metal hair band? Well, Bring the Noise, I believe, was Anthrax and Public Enemy did a song together called yeah, Bring the Noise. That's true. Uh, I, was, uh, I was leaning towards, was it uh, Twisted Sister with Come On, Feel the Noise? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Twisted Sister. Uh, anyway, Dame, we're doing a radio show here, uh, a little podcast recording, whatnot, whatnot. You are full back now, a uh, full week back from vacation. You're, you're ready to go. I mean, you, you, you are rested, recharged, re-energized. Totally, and ready to uh, take next week off. No, good. All right, Dame. So uh, on the week uh, show, we're going to talk about um, YOLO is the new fire movement is the first segment. We're going to talk about uh, will the housing market uh, come back to earth because of interest rates going up, because inflation is going to force interest rates up? Then finally, will employers adjust their standard of living raises based on high interest rates? Those are the questions. Uh, Danza, hello to you. Good to be with you, Danza. Uh, all right, Damien, you ready to do the show? Yeah, I know you've got a lot of things going on this afternoon, so let's make sure we, we get you onto those. Well, I don't want to be specific about what I've got going on, but it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm going to maybe not work for once in my life on a Friday. Okay. Uh, by once in my life, I mean just once in the last five years. Okay. Um, we're ready to go. Getting text messages. No one cares. Okay. Three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and magic happens at that point. You will either be ignored, don't take it personally, or I will answer your email on this very show or in some newspaper column or just at a cocktail party that I'm not invited to with friends that I don't have. Joining me, as always, is Damian Dunn. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. You ready to bring the noise? course all right let's rock uh dame uh, this week uh our first segment here uh you know in my indianapolis business journal column this week i revisited a prediction i made in september of 2020 and i want to revisit that prediction with you you and i uh, love to revisit our predictions and uh see who is wrong well your pal pedro de pesos was dead wrong on my prediction in September of 2020, where I waxed poetically that there will be a new sensibility amongst the American people uh, akin to the sensibility that was gained after the Great Depression in terms of resourcefulness and uh, financial modesty. (laughs) I was wrong. What a noob. Dame, uh, the opposite has happened uh, for a lot of different reasons. I believe the YOLO movement 
is upon us. You only live once. And I think people are spending money like that is the case. While I would love to hear more about how you were wrong and just let you fill up the segment about that. Um, we do see a lot of that right now. And I, I think it's really weird to juxtapose these two things, YOLO and fire, because there are some components of fire that say people would say, well, we only live once. We want to enjoy ourselves, but it is completely separate in my estimation of how most people achieve fire versus what we're seeing with YOLO. So uh, we're seeing a lot of pent up uh, consumerism right now and demand and uh, people just going out and enjoying their refound uh, freedoms, whatever you want to define that as and getting out in the public and spending cash and eating at restaurants and all that fun stuff. But I think that's that, that doesn't line up with with the tenets of fire movement, because uh, most people to achieve fire are very, very scrupulous with the dollars that they have and where they spend them. So I'm uh, I think there are components here, Pete, that we that cross over, but I still see them as two very, very different ideologies. I agree. Uh, there's an evolution, I think, going on here. I think sort of a classic financial sensibility is this. Uh, live a modest lifestyle during the working years, which creates a reasonable nest egg. Okay. Modest living, reasonable nest egg. And, and by the way, I'm not suggesting I have a modest uh, lifestyle now, but compared to what it could be, versus how what I'm trying to create in terms of a nest egg, I currently subscribe to that idea. Then there's the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early, which convinced a lot of people, that's subjective, some people to live a Spartan existence now, just like you said, Dame, so that they can have a very long and comfortable retirement. Uh, and then I think after this anguish and languish of 2020, we've got the Hey, who knows what, you know, what life holds. Let's just do what we do and possibly deal with the ramifications later, later. I think people are, I think people are doing that. I, I, I think people have always sort of done that, always sort of said, uh, we'll figure it out later. But I feel it's, it's just more uh, purposeful at this point based on what's happened in the last 15 months or so. I can picture somebody two years ago sitting in their apartment reading up on fire thinking you know what i think this is something i really want to go for and maybe even starting to put the the pieces in place to start achieving that and then they're confined more or less to their house or their apartment for an extended period of time and they just look around and like there's more to life than this and they the pendulum swings dramatically back to the other side just like you said and they say, you know what, this isn't for me. And who knows if uh, any of those habits that they were starting to build, whether it was uh, modest living or aggressive saving or whatever the case may have been, if those will resurface. I, you would think that they would. It, it will come back from, you know what, I've spent enough money. I can't stand looking at my credit card bill. Oh, my gosh, what do I do now? And will it be as easy for them to jump back into some of those habits to, to have those things reemerge in their financial lifestyle to get them back on a path of, well, I'll call it normalcy. I, I don't think uh, fire is, is the normal for, for many people to consider a comfortable means of living. Um, 
and honestly, I, I'm not sure YOLO is either. I, I think it takes a, a, a unique personality to be able to continue to do that month after month after month. We all have months where, uh, you know, we take a big vacation or, or some large event in our lives is going on. And we spend a lot of money, but we, we find you know, water finds its level pretty quickly after that, I think, for most of us. So uh, I think there's a, a subset of people that are really going through some uh, some considerations after this this past uh, 18 to 24 months of, of life and how dramatically it's changed for some people. I have to admit, I have loosened the purse strings and become a little more fun in a <clears throat> little bit more fun in the moment. Uh, Dame, it's, I'm not kidding. There is a term going around my house right now. People are calling it fun dad summer. <laughs> no, it's true. So, so what's your neighbor doing that your kids really like? <laughs> no, I've been told by all three members of my household who don't, who aren't me that I was going to say who don't look like me, but then I realized that I just excluded Ted. Uh, all three are saying, is this fun dad summer? I have been fun. Do you want to hear what I've done? I, I would much rather your kids tell me what's been fun. But yeah, you go ahead and tell me what you think's fun. Took everyone to uh, a, a soccer, uh, Indy 11 uh, soccer game. Had a right. big fun night. I mean, yes, we were the first people there because I wanted to beat traffic. But other than that, the rest of the night was fun. Did you leave before halftime? No, we stayed. We shut it down. Because you didn't want to deal with traffic on the way out. Didn't yeah. want to deal with traffic on the way home. Fun Dad Summer Point Two last weekend, I went to the pool at the beginning of the summer. I usually go like the last day. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll go. I went at the beginning and swam with the kids. Fun Dad Summer. Then Ted made a soccer team that a travel team that he's been uh, working very hard to make. And so we, we got it. And I was like, hey, let's go celebrate. And we uh, went and got a, a shirt that has the, the club name on it. And I am a fun dad. And I think it's honestly, all jokes aside, I think it's a little bit of yellow. I think last year was so hard at various times. And I've just tried to settle myself down. And I, I can't tell if getting off social media and just sort of having, you know, healthier mental health or whatever it is. But I feel I, I feel like I just want to enjoy life a little bit more right now. Now, am I going to blow a bunch of money and not save for retirement? No, because I have to do that first as opposed to last. But Dame, I, I think, <laughs> I think raising rising interest rates, which we're going to talk about in the next segment, will put the end to uh, the YOLO movement. I'm just really interested in the concept that your YOLO experience is bettering the lives of people around you. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that stings. That feels like a kick right to the area oh, below the navel. But but I think that's a, an excellent dad YOLO. Well, that's the only dad YOLO I can do. Because otherwise I'm like, I'd like to sit in my chair and I'm going to bed now. I mean, like that's, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, Dame, coming up after the break, here's what we're going to do. It's sort of uh, the next two segments are attached. We talked inflation a little bit last week. We're going to extend that conversation now. Uh I think it's conceivable that this inflation uh, issue, if it doesn't end soon, could tank the housing market. And I will explain the connection between those two things uh, next. And then after that, will your employer give you a bigger raise because of uh, inflation? Is it possible? Do you get a 5% raise because of standard of living? You'll find out soon here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I'll just say, that was phenomenal. 
I have been fun this year, this summer, I should say. You don't, you're doubting me? I, I have no data points other than what you've shared with me. I would need your family to confirm the funness. Do you want to see if we can get Mrs. Planner on the air right now? Yeah. This is going to backfire. Oh, actually, we'll call Ollie. That, that'll be better. Okay, this could get it's, super it's, weird. It's, yeah, okay. Oh, this is a mistake. Okay. Hi, Ollie. Uh, I'm live on the radio show right now, I just wanted to tell you. Okay, uh, I was telling Uncle Dame here that I've been fun this summer, and it's been Fun Dad Summer, and he didn't believe me because he knows I'm not very fun. Is it Fun Dad Summer? Well, if you want it, if you want me to make you look good, what answer would you like? I want the truth. <clears throat> well, if a hundred percent was. You say yes to everything. I say you're like at maybe a 74%. That's fun for me, though. I mean, I'm usually a hardcore no man. Yes. So I would say you said yes to everything so far, except a few things. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Like getting the naked guinea pig and yeah. Yeah, we're not going to get a, a, a hairless guinea pig, sweetie. It looks like a miniature hippo, and I don't know what they eat. Yes. Um, well, I think you've been fun dad summer so far. All right, perfect. You could add some more things, but other than that, you're good. All right. Hey, I love you, buddy. I'll see you when I get home. Love you. Bye. Bye. Fun dad summer. All right. Validated. All right, uh, way to go. I it's uh, it is one hundred percent confirmed. <sighs> Boy, I'm glad that worked out. All right. <laughs> oh, our man Brian says uh, his wife texted him randomly this morning that they should start flipping homes uh, just today, and he put YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. Okay, ready in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your money questions. Dame, I don't know if you know about this, but uh, just this week, the uh, inflation rate was updated. I was sort of a remeasured. Uh, uh, within the last 12 months, inflation uh, is at 5% now. It is at 5%, uh, which, is, which is an issue. I mean, long-term inflation, uh, financial planners often measured at around 25 to 3.5% somewhere in there over a long-term rate of return, or a long-term, I should say. Um, now, to get there, of course, uh, you know, sometimes it's 1%, and sometimes it's 5 and it just hurts when it's 5 This is the worst inflation we've had since 2008, and prior to that, it was in the early 90s. And I wonder, I wonder, Dame the, nothing's killing the housing market. It just keeps going higher and higher and higher and higher because of people's uh, willingness to go deep into debt to, to buy homes uh, that are overpriced. Do you think one of the side effects of inflation, which is uh, rising interest rates, do you think when that starts to happen, if inflation hangs on, interest rates go up, because banks uh, want more uh, interest. I mean, they want more money for the money they're letting people borrow. Do you think that will shrink the buyer's pool and cool down the housing market? I'll, I'll hang up and listen. 
in many markets, we're already starting to see that very thing happen. Mortgage applications are uh, declining. Uh, now, of course, last year, a huge amount of the, the applications were refinances, but the strength in the housing market couldn't be denied either. So uh, we've talked about it multiple times on the show and in the news that prices are ridiculous, frankly, right now. And that's for a, a number of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons was the fact that interest rates were so stinking low. And we see it all the time when interest rates start to go up. Of course, that's going to make the monthly payment that much higher and mortgage applications are going to be scrutinized a little bit uh, as well. And it's just going to naturally start to shrink the mortgage pool. And so when there's fewer people out there shopping for homes, then hopefully that means that the law of supply and demand will continue to march forward and prices will start to come back down to a, a reasonable amount and we'll be on to the next uh, next bubble at that point. You know, we there's the topic we don't talk about on the show anymore uh, for a while at least, which is a lot of demand, a lot of uh, sort of mania of investing, people getting carried away. The housing market has certainly had some of that. Like people create, yes, there is not a lot of supply uh, of, of pre-owned homes or whatever you call that. Uh, and so then people all of a sudden freak out about that and say, well, we got to get one. And oftentimes it's people who already have one, yet they, they use this mania to convince themselves that it's perfectly normal to keep just buying more home. Yeah, I, I, people are... You know, a lot of people are, are herd critters. I mean, they, they get caught up in... in well, pardon me. Uh, herd. Herd. Herd critters? Critters. Herd mentality. Herd critters. I go right ahead. I'm listening. I just didn't know if this is like a... like a. This isn't going to be an old farmy time, Joe. Uh, uh, that's where, the, where it ends, Pete, with, with herd. I mean, you said herd critters. You're currently broadcasting from a barn. That's true. I mean, <laughs> you tell me what's happening next. I think the only critters I might have out here are a couple mice, but okay. uh, they're not going to make any appearances today. But yeah, people get caught up in it. We we see it, and uh, honestly, some maybe some of this uh, consumerism that we're seeing right now is based on everybody you know following the the herd of, of what everybody else is doing right now. Uh, so I, I I'm not sure why people seem so um, aggressive at going out and buying their second house or a. A, a, a house that's way larger than, than they have a, a need for. I mean, I had lunch with a realtor earlier this week. He said they weren't even putting signs in yards. It was just all digital. There was no point in putting signs in yards because it was just a waste of time. Yeah, you know, typically rising interest rates will cool a housing market. But I, I think obviously our entire economy is, is connected amongst itself. But this idea that inflation based on the economy shutting down, opening back up, supply chain issues, pent up demand. The fact that all of those things could directly impact the housing market just fascinates me. There are aspects of inflation right now that you know are understandable, like the rent, uh, used cars. Mm -hmm. In the last year, used car prices are up 29%. And the justification behind that is because rental car businesses have not been putting their cars back out to pasture, there's just not as many uh, cars in the market to buy. I mean, and that all trickles down from the travel shutdown. And so that is an understandable piece of inflation because it's a demand issue or pardon me, it's a supply issue and the demand remains constant. 
Well, there's the chip shortage as well. So I mean, there aren't as many new cars to be uh, be purchased anyway. So uh, used cars are going to, as you said, be in higher demand. And well, when that happens, prices go up so they can make a little bit of extra cash. So a number of factors that we haven't had to face um, recently. And then the confluence of some of these just all coming together at the same time uh, is something that we can we can hopefully look forward to the end of uh, in the the near future. But, you know, when we start looking at historical interest rates, even, uh, you know, if it's 5% higher than it was last year, well, what is it compared to two years ago? I mean, right now, this time last year, uh, prices were very, very low on almost everything. And so if we're comparing prices from today versus last year, we're, we're going to get a little bit of a uh, a base effect on on these numbers. So let's let's not get too worked up. But yeah, inflation is something very real that we're dealing with right now. We are going to talk about in the next segment how inflation is going to affect our incomes and, and what our employers are going to have to do or are or, or thinking about doing or won't do at all. Uh, but I also wonder before we even get there, Dame, how about for the average investor, especially conservative investors who maybe have CD ladders that are uh, have no rungs on them anymore? Like, well, they've just got to wait for interest rates to rise before um before they can do anything. Because if you're so conservative that you're not willing to put money into the market and you're only getting you know 1% on your money and your, your money's going backwards at, a, at the pace of 5% a year in terms of buying power, I think uber conservative, unsuitably conservative investors are getting hammered right now. There is still an option out there for people who are looking for very safe money. Uh, and I'm going to say it and you're probably going to chuckle. I might. Uh, savings bonds, I-bonds particularly. If you had to guess what the, uh, uh, uh. What the rate on an I-bond was right now. Oh, a little game? Uh-huh. Okay. <sighs> an I-bond. Uh-huh. The rate on an I-bond. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know much about this. I, I'm going to go 2.5%. Just over 3.5. Okay. Not a terrible, guys. I was no. just so, mostly wrong. Yeah, you're like 50% off-ish. I, yeah, you know. fun dad summer. Can't always be 100%. So I mean, if, if you're that conservative person, there are some, some stipulations that go along with owning I-bonds. But if, if you are looking for a place to park cash, they're still out there and it's backed by the U.S. government. So, you know, they'll just keep printing money to give it to you when you need it. So uh, I-bonds are, are still a very attractive parking spot for some of your cash if you want it. If I may play Pedro's advocate here, uh, Dame, if, if inflation's 5% and these I-bonds are at 3.5%, are we still going backwards? Yeah, but I don't think either you or I expect inflation to remain at 5% for uh, the foreseeable future. I, I firmly believe this is um, a blip, uh, maybe a little bit of an extended blip, but but it will come back to what we would reasonably expect in the, the not too terribly distant future. Yeah, so here's my quick uh, inflation prediction, which then bleeds into the next segment. I believe we may have one more month of ticking up a hair. Right. We might go from five to like 5.5, 5.6, which is not really hair. It's 10%. Uh, but then after that, I think it's going to stabilize and then fall back down into the three and a half percent range. That That is my gut through the end of the year. I'm curious your thoughts quickly. I don't think that's out of line. Um, it may take a couple extra months beyond that, again, because we're comparing to last year's numbers. So what, we'll have to look and see when the prices really started coming up or normalizing last year. And we will talk more about that after the break right here on the Pete the Planner Show. Oh, you're not, you're not running your clock anymore? I started it too late. 
Oh my gosh. How, how bad did I blow it? Uh, no, I saved it because I'm a broadcasting yeah, professional. You know, you almost added five minutes of editing onto my work day today. So sorry. <laughs> you mean the job that I've offered to do to you for you? I, I don't know how many times. I don't want you to do a job to me, Dame. I don't really either. Um, all right. Oh, can I tell you, our friends, our vaccinated friends, are coming in from St. Louis this weekend, and we're all spending hot breathing times in our house together, and they're bringing the one and only legend of St. Louis custard, Ted Drews. Mm, what? No idea. No? no idea. What? No idea. Ted Drews, D-R-E-W-E-S. Okay. Ted Drews is a famous, famous with a T, uh, custard place in St. Louis. I believe there are two locations, one on Chippewa, I believe, and one on not Chippewa. Uh, and it is what I believe to be the world's finest custard. Okay. I and they mix pie slices of pie in Ooh. like an entire, they have pies okay. and they cut a piece of pie and then they mix it into your custard, sort of like a pie blizzard. And I think they call them concretes, like but a bunch of people call stuff concretes. Anyway, yeah. the great pumpkin uh, around the, in the fall is a piece of pumpkin pie. That's got like pie crust in the custard and I'm getting an apple pie, uh, whatever it's called tomorrow when they arrive at my home. Did they have to like throw that in a cooler? I mean, I'm sure they can't just throw it in the back of the car. And, and all that. Well, uh, let me take this a step further. Our two friends happen to be really intelligent people. Both are PhDs and uh, they have dry ice at their disposal, uh, which they bring because they're scientists. How convenient. You should see when, like my wife's very intelligent and, and obviously these two friends are incredibly intelligent. I just sort of sit there stupefied and just... Drink the brown liquor. I'm just like, whatever, guys. Google Translate open at all times so you can try and figure out and catch up to what they're talking about. Yeah, and I think they love to watch like me glaze over. And so they, they get after like the rhomboid. I'm like, I don't know what a rhomboid is. I don't know if a rhomboid's anything. It is. It might be. It's a muscle. Um, okay. You ready, Dame? Yes. You know, I have to admit, I feel like the inflation thing's running out of steam, though. I feel like we almost need another topic on the back end of this segment. Well, okay. Uh, I'll think of something. All right. If you have a, a topic for us to uh, talk about, throw it in the comments. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's uh, if it's something we can do something with, we will jump on it potentially. Oh, Danza says she forgot to say Facebook spying is so hardcore. Never heard of Duck Donuts before last weekend. Before then, did they last Friday? And then she just got a notification that Duck Donuts is opening in Rancho Cucamonga. Huh. Yeah. Duck oh, Donuts. I, it's it's worth it if it's close. It's delicious. It's a little high maintenance, but it's good. I mean, it's like me. Yeah. High maintenance, but good. All right. In three, two, one, back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, I, I don't know if you've heard about the inflation. It's 5% right now. A lot of organizations, when they go to increase people's pay, do so in a systematic way, and there's a couple ways they do it. Number one, they... Uh, uh, it's just a standard rate. It's just like, ah, we always do this fixed amount, like 3%. It's 3%. It's what we do. It's our standard. Others do um, sort of uh, attach it to the inflation rate going up and down, much in the way that Social Security 
uh, does their cost of living adjustment. So the question in front of you, Dame, is in the year 2021, as businesses are recovering, what do you think the majority of businesses who do give cost of living adjustment raises will do? Do you think they will stick to their standard fixed rate or do you think they will jump at the higher rates and adjust uh, wages up by 5%-ish? I think it's going to be determined mainly on the health of the business first and foremost. Uh, but if I had to, if I had to guess, because that's what we're best at here. Yes. They'd stick with their standard one. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. And here's why. Uh, Social security, I don't know if you heard of it. Uh, every year they have a cost of living increase. And in 2020, so in 2019, they decided for 2020, oh, no, pardon me, I, this is wrong. In 2020, they decided for 2021, there would be 1.3%, mm. okay? Mm -hmm. And so far, the estimates for what they're gonna decide here in 2021 for 2022, the Senior Citizens League, which is a thing, it's not like a like a, a slow pitch softball league. I think it's actually like a group of people who talk about the olds. I was going to look on DraftKings for them. Yeah, they they're estimating four point seven percent, which would be the largest increase since two thousand eight. But it, it goes to the bigger point here. If you look at the the cola over time, it still averages below three percent. You know, so if the average employer says, hey, we're, we, you know, we give 3% raises and if, so let's say you got a 3% raise in the year 2020 and, or a 3% raise even in 2021 and, and COLA was, is blipping along at 1.3% for social security, therefore theoretically with inflation itself, you got ahead further than the raise was meant to get you ahead because that raise isn't merit-based. It's just a standard of a living increase, right? Yeah, I think there's, we're looking at a, a fairly truncated segment of time uh, right now where it's it's 5%. Um, maybe by the end of the year, it looks like it's trending to be rather normal-ish. We, we really don't know. And we haven't even talked about the Fed maybe stepping in and doing something. I mean, they've got a long-term target of 2% inflation. So they're, they're not going to let this get too terribly out of control. Um, how long does this go on before other measures are starting to be implemented on on our behalf to to rein in inflation? I don't know. I'm I that's above my pay grade. I don't sit in any of those meetings. But this isn't in anybody's best interest right now. So I I appreciate a a government that's willing to keep their hands off for a while and see if things will normalize themselves, but uh, if it continues on, you know, the Fed will start to enact some policies to to get things back under control. Uh, so the other element here, of course, is uh, that there's this concept uh, of what's called real wage. And so real wage is it has to do with the increase in wages over time as it relates to inflation, which has been relatively modest over the last several decades, especially at the lower income levels. So I think if anyone is going to get hurt by what's going on right now, big surprise, Dame. It's people at lower income levels. However, here is how uh, here's how this ends up affecting us and here's how inflation ends up spiraling out of control. 
Chipotle this week announced that they increased menu prices because they are increasing wages for a couple reasons. They're trying to get people across the board to 15 bucks an hour. Great. Uh, they are also trying to be competitive in the hiring environment. Great. And so when they raise their prices, though, uh, that means that is a form of, of inflation to, to some degree. Right. And so then people have to, to be able to afford those burritos and quesadillas and tacos and bowls. They need more money. So therefore, this inflation thing starts to to really spiral out of control, which is why people especially employers, it's so important for them right now to decide how they're going to handle this. Are they going to increase prices? Are they going to try to absorb these cost of living adjustment raises uh, within their own profitability? Like what's really going to happen here? Yeah, employers are faced, uh, especially employers like uh, Chipotle, with tons of different price inputs, whether it's the the food that they, they buy from a wholesaler to, to turn into food for, uh, to <laughs> repurpose, not repurpose, but Make into beautiful food for us to consume. Uh, the, the transportation to get it there, oil prices are going up, so it's going to the transportation to get the food there is going to uh, increase as well. And if there's any plastic being used, oil prices are very, very um, influential on plastic as well. So uh, we're seeing a a big storm of of increases coming across the board for things that. We kind of like to do. We like to eat, and I—I I mean, I, I do. I, I know Pete. I—I I know you do. Uh, wow, that seems judgmental. Okay, maybe not as much as you used to, but we've—we've uh, we've got some things that we're dealing with right now, and I—I I still expect them to level out in—in uh, in due time. We just had someone on Facebook Live ask an interesting question that's wildly related to this. Do you think employers will change their stance on remote work even after they've told workers they can work remote? That's an interesting question because we're starting to see, I, I saw on CNBC this morning, by the way, I wasn't watching, I was walking through our office building and it was plain, so don't, no one judge me. Uh, and uh, talking about how some, some companies have already, uh, they said, hey, we're coming back and now they've pulled back and say, okay, well, actually you can work from home a little bit more than you thought. Even this week, we had a discussion here internally. It's like, we, we, we only require people here one day a week and then the other four days are at their disposal. But then culturally, it became this thing where people started to feel like they were being asked to be here more more than they were. So I think actually that's what's going to end up happening is that whether it is explicitly stated by your boss that you need to be here or whether you feel like your boss is saying you need to be here, I think that's what gets people back to the workplace other than the social component of seeing other humans that you didn't live 15 months with 24 hours a day. Yeah, we only see the stories about, uh, you know, like uh, JP Morgan, I think it was, it said, you know, people got to get back in the office. You know, I'm, I'm tired of having Zoom meetings, da, 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 but that you can go out and read other stories that say, you know what, we found out our, our employees do just as good of work at home as they do in the office, and it saves us money if we don't have as big of an office. So we're going to run with this work from home stuff as long as we can or until we're proven that, that it isn't a good fit for our business type. So we don't hear too many of the, the stories of the in-between folks who are trying to figure this all out and figure what works for their employees and, and their business model. So um, I think you're right, though, Pete. I, I think there's going to be some some growing pains w with this new normal that we've all kind of acclimated to. I think the next weird stage is going to be the fall when I think a lot of business travel picks back up. I know business travel has picked back up, but I think conference season in the fall is always a huge... Oh, by the way, we got some good feedback, Damien. Your volume is a bit low today. 
Okay. That's all right. New mic. Who dis? I like your new mic, by the way. You should. Yeah. Uh, I think in the co- in conference season in the fall, October, September, October, that could change the dynamics of going back to work too. Because I mean, I guess theoretically you could work from home, then go to an airport, go to a conference and come back to your home. But for some reason, I think that begins to shift. In fact, our hybrid work policy is a, a temporary one. It's sort of a pilot that we're testing through September. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate flexibility and I think we'll figure it out. And just like every other company in the U.S., you got to deal with the cards you were played. We'll figure it out as we go. All right, Dame. So here's what we're going to do. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. You know, I struggled this week finding one, but then I found one at the last second and it's a doozy. So we'll hit that. Of course, current events as well. All right, Dame, I got to tell you, uh, we talked about Ted Drew's during the break, which is my favorite custard place in St. Louis. And now I can't get my mind off of it because I know I get it tomorrow. I'm very excited. So anyway, I don't know. I just distracted the show to tell you that. But alas, here we are. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Man, that's a dumb way to hit the post. Just bring back something I talked about during the break, just so I could add another 10 seconds of patter. But it worked. Oh, yeah. Well, I hit the post. I hit the post. (laughs) kids uh red i've turned up the the gain on my mic just a little bit so hopefully that'll be a little bit more pleasing to you and everyone else listening thanks for the feedback oh you know what that also means is i've got to edit that in post too i i've turned it back down and we'll do it next week okay no it's it's fine i mean i want to stay here all weekend messing with your sound levels you could do it at home listen Listen, i will do what i do when i do it Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready to go? Sure. Okay. Are you ready to start your clock? That's part of it, remember? I got it. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is the Auto Wild Steak Grill. Using radiant instead of convection heat, this Pat Lafreda-backed German-made countertop machine delivers restaurant-quality sears at home. A pair of individually adjustable infrared over fire burners cranks things up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit, giving you the steakhouse crust you long for while keeping the inside a juicy medium rare. Same. A solid cast iron grid distributes the heat evenly and can hold the biggest porterhouse your butcher can dish out and is height adjustable with a multiple multi-purpose lever that doubles as a great handler and bottle opener. The burners are easily removed for cleanup and are powered by readily available propane tanks, letting you cook nearly anywhere. All right, Dame, I have so many comments about this. First of all, propane tanks are not readily available. There's a huge propane shortage in our country. uh, and, And so that is not true. That's a shame. Number two. What do you think this thing costs? Well, I had a price on my mind until you mentioned that multi-purpose handle. <laughs> uh, That's funny. I mean, it, it looks... It, it looks <laughs> that might be the funniest thing you've said in like three years. It has a indu- very industrial look to it for those yeah. of you listening along. Uh, and it looks very upscale. Mm-hmm. as well i mean it looks like it's even got somebody's signature on it that may have uh made it or uh, Otto's signature himself this is destined to be drastically overpriced i mean it looks like a giant 
toaster oven. Yeah, it does look like a big toaster right? oven. So yeah. this, uh, I, I'm going to say this is a 659 dollar grill. It's nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. Here's what I don't understand about it. They uh, they say it's a countertop. I assume you're still going to use this on an outside counter. Because if I put this on our countertops in our house and cooked a 1,500-degree steak, I think my wife would kill me. I'm not dragging a propane tank inside to cook. You know what? Maybe that's like the outdoor uh, counter bar countertop that they're talking about. Yeah. The other thing is, I'll be honest, uh, I can make a pretty mean steak using, oh, I don't know, a grill. I don't need it cooked at a higher temp. I mean, if cast iron pan, I mean, there's all sorts of ways to get that nice sear, that nice crunchy crust on your, your steak. What's in the news this week, Dame? Oh, was that you stalling to pull up the news? No, it was me stalling to figure out which one I wanted to read first. (laughs) I love to catch you off guard. It's the best part of the show. A bidding war broke out this winter at a new subdivision north of Houston, but the prize this time was the entire subdivision, not just a single suburban house, illustrating the rise of big investors as a potent new force in the U.S. housing market. D.R. Horton built 124 houses in, I'm going to say Conroe, that's probably not how people in Texas say it, but I'm going to say Conroe, Texas, rented them out and then put the whole community, Amber Pines at Forester's Ridge if you're interested, on the block. A who's who of investors, home rental firms, uh, flocked to the December sale, and the winning bid was $32 million from an online property investing platform, Fundrise LLC, which manages more than a billion dollars on behalf of about 150,000 individuals. The country's most prolific home builder booked roughly twice what it typically makes selling houses to individual middle-class owners an encouraging debut in the business of selling entire neighborhoods to investors, depending on which side of the fence you're sitting on, Pete. Yeah, so that's unusual. Now, people are just buying giant blocks as opposed to houses themselves, which I, I got to think is not really helping the housing bubble too much. No. Uh, how could it be? I mean, you've, now you're bidding against pension funds and, and uh, specific funds to, uh, to, to buy against this stuff. I, it's, it's an interesting concept. I'll give them that. But this is not helping at all. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I have to. Speaking of weird ideas unusual ideas to invest in in more formal ways like uh, giant neighborhoods within a pension fund Uh, how about certain retirement plan advisors now allowing cryptocurrency investments within employer-backed 401ks you and i discussed this uh privately this week Uh, it is a giant heinous mistake that i cannot believe a single investment committee at any employer in our, actually, I can believe, of course, I can believe everything's believable now, but that it is, uh, it is a tragedy that that is happening. I think this appeals to a very small subset of certain companies uh, that, that they could potentially say, hey, we've got crypto in our, our uh, 401k plan. You, know, you, can, you can invest in that. And I, I think it even blurs the line even further between uh, what crypto really is and how it's perceived. You know, what what function does it serve? And you know, putting it inside of a four hundred one k, I think, just adds confusion to the mix. I mean, it's not like there's been a lot of negative news about how this untraceable currency is remarkably traceable this week, with the FBI recovering the hostage 
ransom money from the pipeline shutdown. And of course, a couple of other stories about uh, uh, tracking down the cryptocurrency. I don't know. Uh, at this point, I don't know. We'll can just we keep a, reading the news stories. Can I tie a story into that? Please go ahead. Unemployment fraud during the pandemic could easily reach $400 billion, according to some estimates. And the bulk of that money likely ended up in the hands of foreign crime syndicates in Russia, China, and Nigeria, making this not just theft, but a matter of national security. You see, when the pandemic hit, states weren't prepared for the unprecedented waves of unemployment claims they were about to face, and they all knew fraud was inevitable, but decided getting the money out to people who desperately needed it was more important than laboriously making sure all of them were genuine, all of the claims, that is. So here's, here's how it works. Scammers often steal personal information and then use it to impersonate claimants. Other groups trick individuals into voluntarily, I should say, handing over their personal information. And once they have the info, the claims are filed, benefits are received, and, well, they're happy, presumably. So then mules, Pete, mules, not, not the critters. I'll use it again. No. Oh. Rather low-level low criminals are given debit cards to the accounts receiving the benefits and then asked to withdraw the money from ATMs. That money then gets transferred abroad, often via... Cryptocurrency. You got it. I was wondering where this tied in. Like At this point, I had drawn an entire beautiful mind bulletin board of how this crime syndicate sticks yeah. together. And it, of course, ends in Bitcoin. Crypto. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my man, Brian, uh, alive on Facebook right now, says he's been a victim of that very crime. Should have had him on this segment. Yeah. Every time you people say, well, and then you impersonate someone, I like to imagine that you're actually doing an impression of them. It's like, yes, I'm John Smith. And like you call in <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, they're impersonating you. And like, well, no, with your documents, like, it's like, no, this is really me. And like, but I, that's not how it works. No. One more story.